sedimentary my dear a conversational podcast about all things geology i'm your host ellen and i'm jane what are we talking about today well we're talking about something that is incredibly exciting to many <laughs> geologists particularly volcanologists uh because it's volcanoes we're doing today <gasps> and i would like to think that they're exciting to me as well except that they're mostly horrifying so <laughs> let's get into it <laughs> i think they're like exciting until you're up close yeah, I mean, like, I see all these videos of volcanologists and how they collect their samples, where they just, you know, put on a suit and then, like, walk up to lava pools, just, like, dip their hammers in the lava pools and, like, <laughs> dunk, a, dunk the samples in a bucket. And it's just, like, that doesn't seem safe. Like, that doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> but I feel like you have to be a special kind of human to want to be uh, a volcanologist. So. I'm sure they love it. I'm, I'm sure not they're saying just... they don't. I'm just saying that I wouldn't do that. Like pigs in mud I in think... the lava suit. <laughs> I think... So my favorite um, video that I've seen of volcanologists doing quote unquote work is when they had a, a trough and they had a, um, a container of lava that they dumped into the trough and then put like a grate on top of it and were, were grilling steaks <laughs> over the lava. You have to make the most of geothermal energy. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, we're using what the earth gave us <laughs> to burn our steaks. I swear those steaks were probably like charred. I can't believe they'd be edible after that because they were like actively on fire. Actively <laughs> on fire. The lava Somebody was, was way like, too hot. This would be a great idea. Yes. Then they put it on the grill. They're like, "This was a bad idea." No, you said somebody, but what you meant was some volcanologists thought this would be a good idea. You're saying volcanologists aren't people. That's a controversial opinion. <laughs> we'll get that hot take later in this episode. <laughs> so let's first talk to talk about uh, volcanoes in particular. We actually have to talk about um, something that we we went over last episode but we didn't really go into depth is plate tectonics and i know that you guys were probably really excited to hear about plate tectonics again Woo! <laughs> but the reason why we're talking about it is because most of earth's volcanoes occur at plate boundaries when we talked about plate tectonics before we talked about how the earth is essentially covered in these different chunks of land and etc that uh, float on top of our mantle, which is like a goo. It's like a kind of a honey, a very <laughs> viscous material that's really freaking hot. Don't I decided eat it. to imagine it as like a marshmallow peep when you said goo. <laughs> you know, there's I like mean, the sugar on the outside. More like that's the marshmallow the land. peep that you put in the microwave and <laughs> the sugar is like burning temperature. And if you put it on your mouth, you would absolutely get scalded. <laughs> but there are seven major plates on the Earth's surface. Do you think you can guess some of the names of these plates? Like the North American plate? Yeah, I'll give you a hint. They're associated with continents for the most part. <laughs> I was gonna say there's seven continents, like the the uh Pacific Plate, mm -hmm. Eurasian Plate, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh Pacific wait, I, I said Pacific yeah. already, didn't I? <laughs> North American. You didn't say specific. No, I'm just kidding. South American? Yeah, South America. Uh Antarctic. Yeah. How many was that? Six? Uh five. You need two more. <laughs> I don't know math. They both start with A. It's Australian? Th yeah, Australian's one of them. And then the last one you have is like the biggest African? continent we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, African's the last one. 
So, um, goddamn the, North American Eurocentric history. The thing is, like, usually we have Africa in the middle of our maps, but somehow still forget about it. But that's fine. <laughs> well, I, I started with like the okay. I know the Pacific is where like the we'll talk about it. I'm sure, but there's yeah. a lot of volcanoes there. There are. Um, yes, Pacific is a very interesting. Unlike North space. America, is where we live. So we so. have um the anyway the Australian plate is actually called the Australian Indian plate, um, mm. but all the rest of them you got perfectly. So those are the major plates. And then we have several intermediate plates. They're not considered major, but they're obviously still very important for tectonics. And these include ones like the Caribbean plate, which is in the Caribbean, the Nazca <laughs> plate, which is actually on the western coast of western coast of South America, it's the Nazca plate. The Arabian plate, the Cocos plate. I think it's pronounced Scotia. I bet it's the Scotia plate, but I'm not 100% sure. That's how, how it's spelled. How do you spell it? S-C-O-T-I-A. Oh, yeah, like Nova Scotia. See, that's what I wonder. I can't remember exactly where that plate is located, so that's why I assume that it's Scotia. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, um, I was very wrong. And the last one of those is the Juan de Fuca plate, which is that one's the one that's on the west coast of the United States. Oh, it's on the Southern Ocean. It's the border of the South Atlantic and Southern Ocean, the Scotia plate. Okay. According to Wikipedia. Yeah, so... I don't know. Did Canadians name it? Then it would be the Scotia Bank plate. But <laughs> <laughs> did they get an endorsement deal? So yeah, those were um, those are all the plates we're going to talk about, and their interactions with each other are what, for the most part, cause us to have volcanoes. There's volcanoes also occur in a couple other places too, which we'll talk about some more special circumstances. But but yeah, the majority of these are are plate boundary interactions, which is why it's can be pretty explosive sometimes. <laughs> There are three major types of interactions between plates, and... Oh, do you want to know what the Scotia Plate was named after? What was it named after? It was named after... Well, it, it's it's under the Scotia Sea. Okay. Which is at the northern edge of the Southern Ocean. Watch it be boundary. the Scotia Sea also. But I don't like that. We're going to call it Scotia. I don't no think so. What. I think it's Scotia, because it says it's, the sea was named in about... This is from Wikipedia, so, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how accurate it, it is, but... Yeah. It was named in around 1932 after the Scotia, an expedition ship used in those waters by the Scottish National Arctic Expedition from 1902 to 1904 under William S. Bruce. You can't see it, but I'm making a hmm face mm. <laughs> in this completely audio podcast. In Argentina, the Scotia Sea is considered part of an area known as the Mar Argentino. Okay. I don't know. You know geography that's not really the point of this <laughs> podcast but. i mean it's still interesting so it's fine yes so we have uh after getting distracted um yep. we have three... i'm done now i'm done now i just was curious <laughs> i don't think there's there's nothing the thing is like about this podcast is it's great to be curious and to look up things like that that's kind of the point of us doing this is because it's for me it's kind of a refresher of some of the things i've learned before and for you it's to learn more a lot of times yeah, I, I have to look up stuff that I don't even remember. I'm like, oh, I should have remembered that. <laughs> like I learned the reason I guessed slash knew all the plates is from pulling some, you know, uh, like knowledge from elementary school or something yeah. out of the back of my brain. But I didn't know about the smaller plates. So, yeah. Well, and you also took oceanography and I know they talk about it there because it's important. Know, for the maybe ocean. they must have. <laughs> They must have. <laughs> I remember taking care of fish and fish tanks. That was the part of oceanography. I liked the biology part of oceanography. What I remember the most about you guys having oceanography is your dissection days because you could smell it up and down the halls of the entire science hall. Preserved sharks, the worst. It was, it was, it was pretty rank. pungent. Yeah, yeah. It was not good. <laughs> uh, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm glad I'm not in that class." Uh, but anyway, uh, anyway, <laughs> guys, science is fun. Yeah, listen. <laughs> So, so back to practical science is great so back to back to 
back to uh, plate boundaries. Yeah. So there are three um, kind of major types of plate boundaries, like interactions between plates. And then there's one, a fourth one that's basically a mix between, it's, it's just like a mixed interaction where it's not like a perfect version of one or the other. Mm. So the first type of interaction we have are divergent, diverge plate boundaries. These are considered, it's, I know it sounds opposite, but a divide, di divergent plate boundary is where two plates are pulling apart from each other. Mm -hmm. This process, though, is actually a constructive process mm -hmm. because when you pull two plates apart from each other, what it does is it leaves room for the mantle to upwell or to rise into that spot and fill the mm -hmm. spot and cool down into more crust. So we have, um, oh. we have, that's where we have. Like the Mid-Atlantic Ridge is divergent, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. So the Mid-Atlantic Ridge is divergent. It's. I was it's, always kind of confused by that because I know that it's like very tall, but it's divergent. Yeah. I mean, so. it's, not, it's not super tall. Um, well, it's not as tall as like, you know, the Himalayas or something. But yeah, but yeah, it, there are ridges underneath and it's because of that upwelling of material that's occurring mm. from inside the earth. And then it's reaching, you know, the ocean and then cooling down into crust. It all makes sense. So, yeah, as it pulls apart. So it's it's bizarre. It's divergent, but it's constructive, <laughs> you know. Okay. And that's how we get new seafloor. That's how we get we get new crust, essentially, mm. new sea crust. And then we have convergent boundaries. Convergent boundaries are when they come together and they smash mm. into each other. And these are destructive margins. So the... In my book, it said whatever oceanic crust is involved, but in reality, it's whatever is the denser crust that's involved. So the denser one goes, gets underneath. Goes yeah, underneath. It, it, it ended up going. It ends up going underneath the less dense crust. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And the overriding and essentially gets sucked back into the earth, and the earth goes nom 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 and eats it. Jane is gesticulating. Nobody but me can see, but Jane is gesticulating with her hands. I forgot what, that I was doing. I didn't realize I was doing that. <laughs> what a subduction zone looks like as if it's like one hand going under the other. Yeah. Which is like, it's hard for me to describe without doing it. Because it's like well, a part of like my own studying on my own side is that I actually like did hand gestures because it helps me remember doing something like mm -hmm. active, which is that's a pro tip for y'all out there. Um, yeah, you should understand your learning. Student. Um, make sure <laughs> no I did slightly better than that but make sure you <laughs> make sure you uh you know you find whatever study guide works or study aid works for you but for me a lot of times it was you know doing some sort of um like when I was learning directions in Spanish I would like point up or point down or point left or right and that was how it helped me remember yeah, learning directions. your learning style is important this is a pro tip from us C students from some 30 year old ladies over here <laughs> yeah basically who are not who've been anymore. out of school for a long time well it's not true <laughs> I'm still taking a class. Yeah. It's not science, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have, um, those are the, the major boundaries. An example of that type of boundary is like the San Andreas Fault, right? No, that's going to be the third type of fault. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped the, ahead. The third type of fault is the transform fault. Wait, can you give an example of one that's convergent then? Yes. So convergent plate batteries, an example would be the Himalayas. Okay. That's an easy example. And, there, and the, we'll it talk comes about from it. the south, right? And like pushes it. Yeah. We'll talk about yeah. more specific. I'm actually going to get into because convergent plate boundaries actually subdivide further depending on what type of um, okay. crust you have involved. I'll wait. But yeah, so you're just getting real excited. I understand. Sorry, I was really excited. There was hand gestures involved. <laughs> <laughs> it's, totally, it's totally fine. I get it. But we'll, we'll talk about our last major um, boundary type, which is a transform fault. So transform faults are considered conservative. So they're not constructive, they're not destructive, they're conservative. They kind of keep kind of keep the same material throughout the entire um, okay. 
you know, you don't really gain or lose. There's not like a huge gain or loss of material through this type of boundary. But what's happening is you actually have two plates. Oh, I'm doing my hands again. You have two <laughs> plates and one is actually sliding horizontally along the other one. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're both sliding, but they're at, you know, different rates. Mm. But what this does is it actually creates zones that we call fracture zones or breaks in the crust. And I know you were pumped about it. What was the place that has this kind of fault? <laughs> the San Andreas. Yeah, fault. that's exactly this kind of fault. And that's actually from the interaction of multiple plates interacting in one spot. We have the Pacific plate, mm-hmm. the Juan de Fuca plate, which is like a smaller plate, you know, one of those like intermediate size plates. Mm-hmm. And then the North American plate are all interacting together to create that beautiful. Where's the Juan de Fuca plate? Juan de Fuca plate is on the West Coast of the United States. You should look it up. You can look up a picture of all the different plate boundaries and see what I'm looking at. Juan de Fuca, Jane. Not, <laughs> I don't J-U-A-N. know what. J U A N. Yes. J F U C A K. Juan de Fuca. In my head, it was Wanda W A N D. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Juan de Fuca. It's Spanish. That's fine. It's I understand. No, no, no. It's okay. That's just what I heard. Oh, okay. That's kind of like where Vancouver is. Mm, yeah. There, it used to be bigger, but it's slowly being shoved by the Pacific underneath <laughs> the United States. All right, <laughs> under the United States. Yeah, the North American plate, I should say. Hashtag goals. I mean, no. I don't know <laughs> if I, that's a goal, but okay. Oh, there's a couple little small plates. I see. Yeah, there's several of them. They're just, sometimes we just, I don't know, we just tend to talk about the major ones because okay. it's a easier to describe. It's called the Cascadia subduction zone. Yeah, the Cascade region. Yeah, which is so, that's like uh, Oregon, Washington, and like, uh, British Columbia and Canada kind of area, I guess. Yeah. Actually, I think it's all. It goes Washington, down farther but... south, actually, than that, but in general. Well, yeah. About thereabouts into for California people to too. imagine. Yes. Yeah, it's, it goes into California for the Juan de Fuca plate. But yeah, it, it used to be larger, but now it's gotten smaller over time. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay, so we talked about the three major types uh, constructive, destructive, and conservative. Um, but the convergent boundaries which are do you remember if those are destructive or constructive they're destructive correct they are which it's the is opposite weird. of what you yeah, might think is exactly yes. um but because geology just can't make life easy and um <laughs> the well it's like i think we think of it as being like constructive in the sense of like what's on top of the plate but it's destructive in the sense of that the plate is subducting it back into the mantle right? yeah exactly like you're so not creating top, new crust that yeah way. on top you see like mountains maybe yeah. In theory, like the Himalayas, which you said is an example, yep. for example. But like the, yeah, the new crust materials being, is being, um, goes back into the mantle, I guess. Correct. So therefore it's destructive. It's being eaten. That's not really what's happening, but that's what I'm going to call it. Um, I like the idea of the mantle being sentient to me. I like it just being like, I'm not, chomp, chomp, chomp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tom, tom. So we have the three types of convergent boundaries. And I'll give you a hint because there are only two types of crust, really. There's oceanic crust and there's continental crust. Okay. So oceanic crust is much denser and it's full of mafic minerals, which we talked about before. These are a dark colored group of minerals that are heavy in iron and magnesium. Continental crust is usually more felsic, so it's less dense. So felsic minerals are minerals that are like feldspars, quartzes, Muscovite, um, they're like lighter colored minerals. Okay. And there's more silica involved with 
felsic material than with mafic material. But anyway, so we have our continental crust, which is lighter, and we have our oceanic crust, which is darker and darker and heavier. Okay, <laughs> lighter and lighter and darker and so, heavier. <laughs> so what do you think the three types of interactions you can have with these things? Like the oceanic crust goes under, or the continental crust goes under, or the like. They both go under together. Yeah. So we talk about the we talk about the boundaries. <laughs> is that is that right? Kind of. Yeah. We talk about the boundaries being either oceanic to continental convergence, oceanic to oceanic convergence, or oh, continental okay. to continental convergence. Ah. So at ocean, uh, we'll start with oceanic to continental. That one's a little easier to conceptualize. So which one do you think goes underneath the other? The oceanic yeah, goes the, under the continental. Absolutely. The oceanic goes underneath the continental crust, and you get something that we call a subduction zone, which is where, um, you know, crust is being sucked back into the earth. It's being subducted. Yeah. Not abducted by the earth. Correct. By in intent, but subducted. Absolutely correct. And um, <laughs> what this does is it actually creates a trench that's a little bit away from the subduction zone, and also will create something called a continental volcanic arc. So you'll on the continental crust itself, what's happening is as the as the oceanic plate is getting subducted underneath the continental one, the earth is melting the material of the oceanic crust. But when you when you melt a solid, it becomes a liquid and liquids are more buoyant than a solid. Right. So as you melt them, the the lava or the magma, the magma that's being melted actually plumes upward, creating kind of a rising um, heat differential and also like a rising material you know that old oceanic material is actually slowly rising up in the crust hmm. on the continental crust and so you actually get volcanoes that are forming okay right you know beyond the barrier or not the barrier but like the uh the boundary edge mm -hmm. so and it's forming on the continental crust which is why they're called continental volcanic arcs okay so an example of these would be as you mentioned before the cascades um the cascade region is where you're having that happen oh that's where Mount St. Helens is, right? Correct. That's Mount St. Helens, Mount Rainier, Mount Hood. Um, mm -hmm. There's more. Those are just the ones I'm most familiar those with. Those are examples, yeah. The Andes Mountains are also an example of these. Okay. It's a similar process where the, Same the Pacific plate. plate is going underneath mm -hmm. the South American plate. Um, yeah, I hope you all did study ge geography because... <laughs> good luck. <laughs> it's helpful, helpful for understanding this. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Uh, you can just pull up a map for this episode and then you can That's look at true. it. That's true. It's also easier. You can also just pull up plate tectonic maps so you can see which plates we're looking at. Um, it'll make your life a little bit easier. Also on those maps, they also mark what kind of boundaries they are too, which you, a lot of times, which is really nice. It makes it easier to see. Mm -hmm. So the next type of boundary we have is we have oceanic to oceanic convergence. So those are two different types of ocean crust smashing into each other. All right. So what do you think happens between ocean versus ocean? Uh, well, since they're probably roughly the same type, like the heavier one gets subducted underneath. You are correct, sir. Oh, that I'm so is, smart. Yeah, I'm going to give you a thousand <laughs> points and double Yay. Jeopardy bonus or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm mixing all my metaphors. But is yeah. this the, the points are made up and don't matter? Yeah. Everything's, everything's made up and the points don't matter. Points don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you get some really cool, um, interesting volcanoes in these spots. So these are subduction zones as well. They also create a trench um, out in the ocean. And what you get is you get island arcs forming, so volcanic island arcs. So instead of being on, you know, mountains that are built on a continent, instead they're just out in the ocean. So examples of these would be the Aleutian Islands are an example of these because it's the Pacific plate hitting another plate that's oceanic mm -hmm. um, at that point. They're both oceanic crust at that point. Mm -hmm. And then um, the Lesser Antilles are also an example of this, and that's okay. uh, the Caribbean plate. As being moved, I can't remember which which plate is moving underneath, but the Caribbean plate is one of the 
kind of intermediate plates that it's being mm-hmm. shoved under something. Like the South American plate or the Atlantic plate or something like that? Yeah, I think it's under the North Atlantic plate, but I can't remember. I could be wrong about that, so don't trust me. But I already don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, good call. And then the, the third type of boundary that we have is continent-to-continental conversion. So continent-to-continent, you do get a subjection zone, kind of, but you don't really see it. What happens is you see two crusts that are both relatively light smashing into each other and building upon each other to create okay. a mountain. So this is our example of a, the Himalayas. Okay. So what's happening there is actually that India is shoving itself, like the actual continent, or not continent, but the, the country of India is essentially shoving itself under the rest of uh, the Eurasian plate. And that's how you're creating these Himalayan mountains, which are crazy. Interesting. And there is material being nom nom nommed underneath it. Um, mm-hmm. And so slowly over time, you'll see a reduction in the size of the Himalayas. But like you mean over millions of years or whatever. Yeah, over a period of time. I'm not exactly sure how long. It probably will okay. be millions of years. Or at least that, not in like one human's lifetime, probably. No, absolutely not. And I can't remember right now if they're currently building meaning that India is actively still shoving itself forward or if they're currently getting smaller each year. Should we Google it? Yeah. Okay. To Google, are the Himalayas growing or shrinking? Google knows what we want to know. Does the Himalayas continue to rise more than one centimeter a year? Okay, so India is still actively shoving itself. A growth rate of 10 kilometers in a million years. Wow, that's great. <laughs> uh, so yes, um, India is continuing to do its job of shoving the erosion plate like a very small child shoving an adult. And the adult's not moving. That's what's happening. Good. <laughs> oh, the Alps are growing too, according to this. Yeah, that's another active plate boundary. Oh. Bom, 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 I've just never bom. thought about it. But basically, like, really tall mountains come from active plate boundaries. That's why, like, in the... So in the U.S., the Appalachian Mountains are, like, a shorter mountain range. Yes, they're not active anymore. Yeah. They were active millions of years ago. And they've just been, like, eroded, which is why they are not as... Not super, like, tall and pointy like other mountain ranges you see in the world. Yeah, apparently at their peak, they were actually larger than the Himalayas. It's been estimated. I've heard that. Because of the remaining evidence of what's actually still there now. Yeah, the Alps are created by the the collision between the African and Eurasian plates. Mm. So the African plate extends under Italy, I guess? Yeah. Okay, interesting. They're named, I think they're named by essentially the dominant continent that's on them, but it's not. I mean, it totally makes sense. I just was, like... I don't know. You know, obviously, like, the perspective I would have is from looking outside in. Yeah, right? exactly. But that's why um, Italy has a bunch of... Volcanoes? Yes. A, it has a lot of volcanoes, and B, it has a lot of ge- geothermal activity. Um, like very... where Travertine comes from, we yeah, talked about. Yeah, we did. Um, but yeah, they also use a lot of... They're one of the countries, one of, like, the top five countries in the world that use geothermal, geothermal energy. And, like, Iceland, probably. Yeah, Iceland <laughs> is also up there. Japan's up there. Um, yeah that makes sense there's a lot i believe new zealand is up there too i could be wrong about that but i believe new zealand is also pretty hyped about it (laughs) hyped there's a lot of (laughs) well there's a lot of like yeah geothermal energy happening there too because that's on the pacific plate yeah it's just an an easy heat source so lucky them yeah question mark depending on (laughs) what your take on volcanoes is i guess (laughs) exactly okay oh and we can't forget about one last thing i want to talk about before we move on Okay. Um, we can't forget about hot spots. So what is a hot spot? A hot spot is where you have mantle material that's rising up from, sometimes it just, you know, there's just places in the mantle that are hotter than others. And you get a plume, they call it a plume of mantle material rising up like this 
like when you microwave a hot pocket and it just like goos out from the <laughs> crust of your hot pocket it's like that that's exactly what's happening <laughs> except the crust is the earth and then the mantle is your you know your pepperoni pizza filling similarly like structured and temperatured goo yes yeah. <laughs> exactly the same temperature when you take it out of the microwave definitely and then uh what it does though is this is as this plume rise it actually um forces the crust upward it uplifts the crust and creates various island chains island arcs or it can stretch the crust in some places and create things like calderas and other things like that it's kind of the special case where it's not exactly at a plate boundary but you get these kind of zones of weakness in the earth that Mm. get real hot so um, there are several places that have various hotspots around the world and the thing to consider that some people don't consider is that the hotspots themselves do not move they are one place on the earth mm. they don't really move over time what's happening is you have plates that move over top of the hotspots so an example of this is hawaii so the thing with hawaii is that there's like a big main island which is the hawaii island um, and there's several smaller islands that are part of the Hawaiian chain, which are like Maui, Molokai, Oahu. Beyond, extending beyond that, there's even more little teeny tiny bits of islands, some of them sticking out of the water. But a lot of them are underneath the water. There's actually like, you know, old volcanoes that are underneath the water that you can't see anymore. Mm. The thing is, what's happening is that there was a hotspot there. And um, the hotspot has been there for millions of years by this point. But... The hotspot has not moved. What's happened is that the Pacific Plate, which is where Hawaii is on, mm. the plate has actually been moving slowly in a kind of a northwesterly direction. So what you see is you see a trail of of islands that are small to big moving from moving southwest on a on a map. You would see the biggest island in the most southwest, southwest or southeast. Thank you. You would see the biggest island in the most southeast corner. Um, and the smaller islands moving away from that. And it's because of the direction that the plate's moving. Mm -hmm. So it's just something to consider that. That's know. also why there's volcanic activity on Hawaii, but not the other islands still. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's still some leftover remnants, but Hawaii is the one where you're actually having the action. Yeah. I guess I, not still in have strong like word. Earthquakes but... and stuff like that. Yeah. And you still have yeah. some volcanic activity, but um, the essentially hot spot some is of the ones that are under like, Hawaii, though. Yeah. Correct. And the ones that are the, the the islands that are farthest away, like the ones that are underground, are essentially, they're dormant by this point, mm. you know. Um, Two are dormant, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. They just, they don't have any activity. So I would live on those ones if I was not in Hawaii, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Oh, actually, it says more than 123 are extinct. Yes. Those are all the now, now most preserved as atolls or sea mounds. Yes, those are the ones that are mostly underwater. Extinct, I guess, would be the correct term, so... Dormant meaning that they are not active currently, but extinct meaning they're just completely yeah. They're not volcanoes anymore. Four active, two dormant, one hundred twenty-three extinct, according to Wikipedia at the time of reading. So I will <laughs> tell you that the four closest to, the, including Hawaii, the Big Island, those are the ones that are active. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing the the hotspot is actually pretty large in size then, if it's able to still, you know, maintain. Have four volcanoes. active volcanoes and two dormant volcanoes. Yeah cool stuff did we did you learn something i did wow yeah do you want to know how big the magma chamber is <laughs> according to wikipedia i can tell you <laughs> can you give it to me in football field length <laughs> do you put it in yards no because it's in it's in kilometers so no <laughs> <laughs> put it in american terms please the imaging shows that it's 500 to 600 kilometers for our non-north american listeners and 300 to 370 miles wide and up to 2,000 kilometers deep, or 1,200 miles deep. So super deep, yeah. I guess. But maybe not that deep in the lithosphere overall. I don't know. I'm not sure how big it is. Most um, oceanic 
volcanoes like that are incredibly deep just because it's you know they're the magma pooming up from the earth from the inside of the earth so it says that it's been active for 85 million years Ooh, only 85 million it's a baby (laughs) and it's produced an estimated 650,000 kilometer uh like cubic kilometers of rock so i guess a lot yeah i don't know (laughs) it seems but you're right it seems to be very large i guess i don't know how big hotspots are but you know bigger than a single island you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough to make whatever, hundreds of, or I don't even know. How many islands are there in Hawaii? Yeah. A lot. Of, of the active ones, not that many, but of the ones that are extinct now, there's probably over There was 100. 123. Yeah. So, so there's like enough to make over 100 tiny, over, over 100 volcanoes. It's a lot of, a lot of uh, mantle. Yeah, it's a lot of material that's come up to Bubbling up. Enough good to though. live for people to live on. So now that we... That's good though. <laughs> It is good, though. I guess. It's good to have a continually growing Earth. Except it's not actually growing. It's staying the same size the entire time. It's the same mass. Yeah. It's just redistributing it in different places. It's the ultimate recycling plant, really. Plus, we get more from space, too. Yeah, occasionally. So, like, very, very small amounts, relatively speaking. Until it gets inside of the mantle as well. That's also the the technical term. (laughs) Okay, so let's get... uh, All right. Let's volcanoes. Into, now, yeah, now that we've um, kind of covered the background that we need, let's actually... We haven't even to... talked about volcanoes yet. No, we haven't. When we talk about volcanoes, um, we have several different... Not one volcano is the same as the other volcano. Volcanoes, there are actually multiple different kinds of volcanoes, which I think a lot of people don't really realize. They just kind of generically hmm. call them volcanoes. Hmm. I'll be honest, even before I took... I knew that there must be differences between them, but I didn't really know that there mm-hmm. were or I or cared, honestly, before I took uh, my <laughs> geomorphology class. And um, probably most people don't. They only care if it's like actively affecting their travel yeah, plans basically. or not, essentially, but yeah, or we, their life. <laughs> we have uh, the, the way that volcanoes form, which is at those different plate boundaries or through hotspots, and then the material of the volcano. So like what you know, what their mineral composition is mm-hmm. and also things like the material of the the magma, because not all magma is created equal. So sometimes magma being the what? under the surface lava. And then once mm-hmm. it gets extruded, it's called lava. Mm-hmm. But the composition of the magma, the temperature of the magma, how many gases what? are dissolved within the magma, all of this chemical okay. composition is actually what wow. what changes what kind of eruption that you'll have. Oh. And also will change what kind of structure volcano that you can have as I well. I never thought that magma could have different... Chem- I don't know. I just assumed it was all like one homogenous soup. But I guess it can have different chemical... I never thought it could have different chemical compositions. Yeah, it was something I never really thought about either. And it, it, the, all of these different things dissolve together in the, in the magma itself. Mm. What it does is it actually changes the viscosity or like how much okay. flow the magma will have. And okay. that's one of the major effects on eruption types. Okay. It's really dependent on what kind of, what, how viscous, you know, something like syrup obviously is more viscous. It has less flow than something like water. Mm. And it will change what type of eruption you have depending on that. Okay. So it, it kind of seems counterintuitive, but take a, just a quick guess. Do you think something that's more viscous will have a crazy eruption or something that's less viscous will have a crazy eruption? I would say more vis. No. Less viscous meaning more solid, I guess. No, more liquidy. Oh, more more liquidy would be less crazy. 
You are absolutely correct. Because I think you would need more energy to move something that's less viscous. So that would, that's like, it's going to, there's going to be more pent up geothermal energy, I guess. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. That was something that was hard for me to understand. So I'm proud of you because I, I, physics, it took me a bit of time to conceptualize that. But the more viscous the fluid is, the less movement it's allowed. And so it gets kind of stuck and then gets pissed and then explodes in a, a pile. <laughs> it doesn't have as much movement, so it gets more excited. It's got more pent-up energy. Yeah, and then it explodes. So unsurprisingly, I'll tell you this, temperature affects it. So temperature mm-hmm. affects whether it's, um, if it's hotter, it's going to be more liquidy, and so yeah. it'll be less um, explosive. And if it's, you know, more dense and cooler, it'll be more explosive. It'll be more viscous, I should say. Wait, did, sorry. Did you just say if it's hotter, it'll be more explosive? No, it'll be more liquidy. Okay. And therefore, and less, therefore less explosive. Less viscous. Um which in turn is correlated to explosivity. Okay. Um, I guess the one thing that's throwing me off about this is like when I think viscous, I think liquidy. Yeah. But but when you say, in, for the purpose of discussion, when you say more viscous, you mean more solid. Yeah, I mean more syrupy. Syrup versus water. <laughs> more gooey versus yeah. watery. <laughs> yeah, honey versus water, you know. Okay. You have a, a more viscous Potato chips fluid. on, on honey, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's several things that can cause this cooling, but a lot of times it's just proximity from the, you know, the volcano after uh, you can get more, more cool lava after the volcano has extruded it from itself in one way okay. or another um, and becomes more viscous. Extruded it from itself. Okay. Yes. There also, you know, the composition makes a difference. So it just depends on essentially the silica content. Um, hmm. The magmas that have more mafic rocks in it, so they're less so less silica. Yeah, less silica versus felsic rocks, felsic magmas. They'll have more silica in it, but the more silica that you have, the greater viscosity you have. Okay. So more more silica makes it more viscous. Would mm-hmm. be the word that I would use. More thick with two C's. Yes. So the flow is impeded, and it's because of the silica structures themselves. That mm. chemical structure actually impedes the flow of the lava. Hmm. Interesting. And then the last, the last component is volatiles, which are gases. So the gas component, I mean, a lot of times when we talk about gases, we're actually, the, ma- the majority of what we're talking about is actually H2O. It's water. Oh, just like steam? Yeah. Well, it's water. It's dissolved into the magma. So if you have oh. water dissolved into the magma, it actually increases the flow of your magma. Okay. So you're just saying there's H2O dissolved in it. It's probably like steam. Like yeah, how is it dissolved yeah. in the... Essentially it is. But what it does is this H2O process actually breaks down bonds between silica and oxygen in the magma and helps, you know, and we talked about before that silica is one of the things that, you know, helps prevent flow, you know, because of the, the way that the structure of the silica is, it, it prevents flow of lava. Um, so since H2O, H2O actually helps to break down those bonds, that's why you get an increase in flow. Hmm. So it's all kind of logical. So it's really like a much deeper chemical thing, not just it, like it adding. It's, it's not it, like <laughs> it's not like water's dissolved in it and that's making it more liquidy. Just to like clarify, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's a. Uh, again, when I <laughs> um, when I first took this class, I was like, "This is a lot." <laughs> I it's was a in lot class of, and I was uh, like, "This is kind of a lot." <laughs> it's a lot of chemistry. It is. It we um. I'm obviously you know for the purposes of this podcast, I'm absolutely not going to go over all of it. I just. Um, it's too much and I don't think anybody really wants to hear about it even when they're taking the class I don't think they want to hear about it but um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah a lot of um, igneous activity and metamorphic activity is extremely dependent on the chemical composition of the rocks 
and you know and minerals that are involved so that's why i tried to kind of hammer that home when we had our Mm. first episode of the podcast so i just really wanted people to be aware that if you're interested in chemistry you may be interested in rocks you never know that's a good point for the casual listener of this podcast i think the thing to understand is like if the lava is more viscous so if it's more solid or like thicker the eruptions that you get from that are more intense that are caused by that are more intense and then if it's more liquidy or more liquefied then it can flow easier and the eruptions are less intense and then typically silica heavy magma is going to flow less easily no a heavier one is a mafic one it will flow more easily i mean by silica heavy the lighter ones are less less Mm. mafic by silica heavy i meant like or magma that has more silica in it will flow less easily than lava that has more is more uh mafic Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Less viscous. Yes, you're correct. Yep. Um, so that's the five minute summary of what we just talked or the yeah. two minute summary of what we just talked about. Yes. <laughs> a, a, an easy example where you see this is um, an eruption from, you know, the Cascade region, which is more felsic material involved, will be much more eruptive, uh, explosive, I could say, than an eruption that you would have in Hawaii because mm. Hawaii is oceanic crust, it's mafic, it's denser. So it has a lot more flow, and it doesn't really explode in the way that we would expect it to. It just kind of oozes out. That's why, like, well, I remember there uh, there was, like, an active uh, explosion, or not explosion, active volcanic activity in Hawaii a couple of years ago. And everybody was like, oh, my God. But then you saw the videos, and it was just, like, lava kind of, like, slowly destroying roads and stuff. Like, it wasn't, like, when you think of, like, or when I think of a volcano, I think of, like, Vesuvius, where it's, like, a big, huge explosion right yeah this was more like flow just the i mean i think there was gases and stuff but there was mostly the videos that i saw were like lava just flowing down roads and destroying stuff yeah honestly there's there's some some things are scarier than others when it comes to those types of uh um materials and we'll we'll talk about those in just a Mm -hmm. minute but so the type of activities volcanic activities that we have are one, we have volcanic island arcs, which are things like the Aleutians, um, mm-hmm. or Japan is actually a volcanic island arc. That's something mm-hmm. to consider. Um, we also have continental arcs, which are, you know, the Andes, the Cascades. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, essentially, as an island arc, but it's forming on a continent instead. Okay. So we talked about those earlier, but it's when you have subduction zone of a plate underneath another plate. And then the second type of volcanic activity you have is you have lava sheets. So these are large areas where lava has actually spread over a large like a large land area or the seafloor they're usually basaltic in nature so an example of this basaltic being um, mafic they're more Mm -hmm. heavily mafic an example of this is the idaho columbia river basalt so that's like an older lava sheet it's not actively create like there's no there's There's nothing active occurring Okay. In that part of Ohio, or Idaho, excuse me. Did I say Ohio, Ohio the whole time? No, the you Idaho, said Idaho Columbia, the whole okay, time. Good. The Idaho <laughs> Columbia River basalt. Um, but yeah, it's not active currently that I know of. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's So is that, that's like in under the Columbia River, or should I Google it? You can look. Yeah, you can look in the area. Oh. It just extruded out on the surface it's and the, flowed Jane, on the surface. It's the youngest and best preserved continental flood basalt province on Earth. There's another one um, in India which I can't remember the name of, that's also a flood basalt. There are several. I have found a map on Wikipedia. Deacon Traps. Isn't Deacon it? Traps. Yeah, the, the Deacon, Deacon Traps. traps. That's oh, what, those are the ones we in India. talked about that we in did. our first episode. We did. I remember. I was like, I can't remember the name. But yeah, in India, the Deacon Traps are a famous example of a lava sheet, mm. which I didn't really talk about before. But 
um, I think I called it an igneous province, which is also another term for maybe that kind of area. I'm just trying to, how does that happen? You just get lava spilling out over the surface. Um, it just depends. So it's just like the surface is thin and it just like leaks. Yeah. It's like. So it's a mode of occurrence of lava when it pours out in a very large quantity and spreads in all directions during a volcanic eruption. So there are volcanic eruptions, but it's just like one large flow. They form during relatively high effusion rate eruptions, are very fluid, tend to fill in in pond and low lying areas. Okay, so there's like basically you're saying there was like some kind of volcano there yeah. where there was a some kind of portal to the to the to the, the manta yeah. ma- mantle, mantle mantle and out came some lava and it formed it it state felt like it kind of filled in a low lying area as opposed to building like a volcanic like a mountain that's Yeah, windy. they form more of a plateau. It's because the the lava is really liquidy. That's one mm. of the reasons why it it has so much okay. flow. So it just tends to fill in whatever, you know, nooks and crannies that they're... Uh, are about. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they're interesting. I don't know. They're cool to look at. Yeah. There's some cool photos of the um, Idaho-Columbia River basin. Yeah, I would, love, yeah. I would love to go visit that one day. Sure. I've flown or driven around it, but I've never actually, you know, visited. So I'd like cool. to do that. The next type we have is a mid-oceanic ridge, um, okay. which we've talked about before, which is... Like know, the mid-Atlantic ridge. Yeah, the mid-Atlantic ridge is a, is a mid-ocean... Is mid- a mid-ocean ridge. ridge. Yes. <laughs> And then the last one is hotspots. So Hawaii is a hotspot we talked about. Mm-hmm. Iceland is a hotspot, but it's a particular type. So we'll, we'll probably talk about that individually. Okay. We talked about- Yeah, Hawaii on a hotspot. Major... Iceland yeah. also on a hotspot. Yes. Cool. Plus other things, but- Yeah, yeah, yeah. We there's about other things happening there. Basic... Lots of, there's a lot of geology crap happening in Iceland. <laughs> there's a lot happening in Iceland. <laughs> just Mostly just... sheep. There's just sheep everywhere. <laughs> Crazy weather. <laughs> so those are our four major types of activity. Next thing I want to talk about is- Types of volcanoes, so the volcanic structures. So we were, we were okay. talking about type of volcanic activity. That was what we previously talked about. Now it's more like the structure of a volcano itself because each volcano has its own different type of structure. Mm. And because of the materials that they're made of, they also have different types of eruptions. Okay. Which I think everybody's here for. This is the exciting part, yes. Yeah, this is the most semi-exciting part. But to talk about that, we have to really talk about kind of an anatomy of a volcano. So okay. a volcano has generally has like a central conduit pipe that they they call it a conduit but it's like a pipe it's like a central um location for lava to erupt from essentially Mm -hmm. and then we also have little small pipes on either side of the volcano so they have can have more than one location that lava is flowing out of okay it's not necessarily you know they're not Not all from the top yeah they're not all constrained to like one you know like your science fair volcano yeah yeah exactly (laughs) The opening at the very top of the volcano, they call it a vent, which is, you know, not very surprising. Mm. And the vent is generally located in some sort of crater. Okay. Usually volcanoes are not like a perfect cone shaped. Mm-hmm. They don't They don't have a perfect... Almost a triangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't have a perfect peak generally. Usually they okay. have some sort of divot um, because okay. of how hot the, the magma is. It just kind of like draws down the center of the top of the volcano and so it's more of a crater shape a lot of times hmm. when we think of that traditional volcano we are thinking of like a cone-shaped volcano but some volcanoes actually are depressions they're like circular depressions in the ground they're called calderas okay these tend to be pretty wide um and they have different ways that they can form but yeah i think the the cone shapes are the ones that we're really going to talk about right now so the first type of volcano that i really want to go over are shield volcanoes so shield volcanoes occur 
in a lot of places, uh, they occur on Earth. They also occur on Mars and on hmm. the moon. There are shield volcanoes on Mars and on the moon. We have evidence of those. Oh. So yeah, shield volcanoes are produced when you have a lot of mafic lava. And the shape that a shield volcano, the reason they're called shield volcanoes is because the shape is kind of like a shield where you have like, instead of having a, you know, our traditional idea of like a cone shaped volcano, it's more of a flat, rounded dome where it's like round over the top. Okay. Yeah. I'm seeing Ellen draw it. So I know that visually you guys can hopefully understand <laughs> what I'm talking about in the process. Because Ellen was, like a Ellen, was accusing me of this earlier, <laughs> was also gesturing with her hands as I was describing to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this volcano episode is the most gest like gesticulating we've ever done while recording. I mean, there will be different shapes. Oh, there'll be more. There'll be days. Okay. So the thing about shield volcanoes is, you know, Can again, you give an example where like someone would like because when I think of a volcano, a like a cone volcano, I think of like Mount Fuji. It yeah. has that like if you've ever seen a photo of Mount Fuji, it has this like creepily perfect shape almost where yes. it's like a perfect like. Um, it's not a perfect cone in the sense that it's like perfectly straight, but it kind of like, it's skinny at the top and then it gets wider at the base. Like it's much flatter at the base than it is. The width is much wider at the base than it is at the top. Yes. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, Kilauea, not Kilauea, which is, is a shield the main, volcano. Yep. It's the main okay. island. Um, the biggest volcano on the main island of Hawaii. Mauna Loa is also one. All of Hawaii's volcanoes are shield volcanoes, but I think hmm. the biggest one is Kilauea, hmm. which is probably the most famous one, so. but it doesn't yeah. have... It's not very tall. It's not an incredible amount of height that it has. What it does have, though, is an incredible amount of width for a volcano. Volcanoes mm -hmm. are not usually this long. Like, they're not usually as wide. Um, but because shield volcanoes are made of mostly mafic magma so and mafic lava. Thinner, faster flowing. Yes. Right? So they can't build up, basically. Okay. They can't build as oh. high. Because they're liquidy. Yes. Okay. So I you see. get so you get much more. more. Yeah, you get a lot more of a spread mm. out kind of a disc shaped. You know that's why they're that called sense. a shield. They're more of like a shield shape rather than like a cone. Okay. So yeah, they're really interesting. Their their lava also tends to move relatively slow, for lava, <laughs> which is a problem because people choose to think that because it's moving slower, it's not harmful to them. So people will take like selfies with lava. I'm not even kidding. The face that Ellen's making is horrible. I know it's because I've seen the videos from yeah. when when that whatever the last whichever time volcano was had the major yes. eruption. They're like walking up to it and they're like, "Hey, look at this!" Like there's like just people's cell phone videos of lava, and it's like I don't think you should be there. No, like it's, it's terrible. It's a bad idea because it yeah. may be slower than normal, but at any moment it can just break out and start flowing more rapidly. Because it also it's like it's sort of semi cool on top yeah. in the air, but then like you never know where it's like liquid is pooling. I guess like, exactly. And another thing that people do is they tend to walk on not safe areas of the volcano and the thing is like even if a volcano looks solid like the the lava the has cooled down to what looks like rock you may actually just have a crust and underneath that could just be a tube of active lava or a tube cool. of active magma cool 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 so, cool cool cool, cool. <laughs> so, so cool that's one of the things that people don't consider is that the earth is not stagnant and sometimes when you're walking on the ground the ground could just collapse underneath you. I mean, that happens in Florida too, but that's because it's limestone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different uh, problem. You know, in like Kentucky and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I would rather fall into a pit than to fall into lava because I might be able to break a leg and come back out of a pit. You know what I mean? I don't think you I could You may not want to fall into a giant sinkhole, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. I just, but if I had to choose one or the other, that's what I would choose. You definitely won't make it out of a, 
out of a caldera or volcano alive for sure. But yeah. So Hawaii is very active. It has an incredible amount of activity. Um, the most activity is um, under Kilauea. Kilauea is actually the most active of the volcanoes in Hawaii. But yeah. another place that has shield volcanoes is actually Iceland. Hmm. Iceland is cool, though, because it's a special case where it's a hot spot. But it's also a hot spot that's underneath the mid-oceanic ridge. So we have the mid-Atlantic Ridge coinciding with the hot spot. Hmm. And what that does is it forces more material upward into Iceland. So Iceland is actually like a combination of the two, and it's really interesting. Hmm. But it's the only place on Earth that has a portion of the mid-Atlantic Ridge above ground, or above water, I should say. Oh, really? You can actually, yeah, you can actually see the, mid, the mid-Atlantic Ridge. Oh. You can see, um, you know, both sides of the mid-Atlantic Ridge because Iceland is actually on both plates. Oh. It's on the North Atlantic plate and it's on the Eurasian plate. So like half of Iceland is, uh, I mean, probably not roughly, but yeah. part of it is on over one half and part of it's over the other half. Yep. So and then the volcano is to... in the middle? Yes. Well, there's, the there's more that's... than the hotspots. Well, not, it's kind of in the middle. Not really. It's off center. But okay. um, the... Think I meant in the middle of like Thaler, the two plates. Thinkvaler is the name of the town in Iceland that's mm-hmm. directly above, um, that has the visible portions of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. But a lot of people, what cool. they do is they go diving there because there's actually you know a, a fjord there so mm-hmm. you can go diving and you can see both sides you can be on both you know see oh. both sides of the, the it's ridge. like being at the prime meridian yeah it's really cool but for know. really nerdy geologists <laughs> <laughs> but cooler yes yeah but cooler <laughs> i tell myself it's cooler yeah um it's cool i didn't know that i know iceland had volcanoes and, and glaciers i mean iceland kind of has everything it's like a geologist dream yeah it is it? it's kind of like like i get the vapors thinking about iceland <laughs> it's pretty great so the next type of volcano that I want to talk about is I want to talk about cinder cones, which are really cute. <laughs> are they? <laughs> I think they're cute. So cinder cones are built from lava fragments that were ejected over time. So they're like little chunks of material that build up around kind of a central tube, you know, mm-hmm. of where the lava, you know, lava was extruding from. And then they just build up over time into these little, these little cones. They're just little, little teeny cones. Um, there's a lot of them in the Southwest. There's a lot of, like, uh, Flagstaff, Arizona has several. There's a lot of them in... Like, northern Mexico. Yeah, northern Mexico. I think it's, there's like, several Sonoma? In Idaho. Um, there's there's a lot of cinder cones. And they're really, they're tiny. They're pretty tiny. They can still obviously be dangerous, but they're not... They're, like, a tenth of the size of a shield volcano. Like, they're too I'm looking tiny. at them on maps, and they but are, they're real they cute are smaller. Yeah, it's a pretty cute volcano. Oh, here's one erupting. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so these these fragments pop out of the ground like daisies mm. and then build up in, you know, a pile around the central vent of your volcano. Mm-hmm. These fragments kind of range in size. They're not, sometimes they're tiny. Sometimes they're like ash sized. And sometimes they're like the size of cars. So it just depends on, um, you know, if it was a good day or not, I guess. They are like relatively small and cute. I see what you're saying. Compared to a shield volcano. It's basically volcano. like a tiny a volcano. volcano. Is huge. Yeah. Cinder cones are tiny relatively. And the other thing about them being tiny is they're actually one of the more abundant. They're probably the most abundant of the three major types of volcanoes because they're so mm. simple and because they're essentially just like loosely piled together pyroclastic material. When you say pyroclastic, what does that mean? So pyro is fire and clastic yeah. is rock. So it's fire rock. It's basically <laughs> it's anything that pops out of a volcano. Okay. Um, I, anything, I, I was anything that, that pops that's out the of definition a volcano. That, that's, so that's the definition I was going to give, but I, I looked up Google 
and the definition that they have is relating to consisting of or denoting fragments of rock erupted by a volcano. Okay. So I wasn't wrong. I, nope. <laughs> the way I was going to describe right. it was not wrong. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, explodey rocks is how I like to think of it in my mind. <laughs> fire or fire rocks. But but yeah, so pyroclastic materials, anything that came out of the volcano initially. Okay. Generally, they are made of actually like pea-sized, like PEA, pea-sized, yes. like walnut-sized uh, material. But... Oh, so like a little chunk. Yeah, basically, but they can they can be bigger. And they Everything don't normally... you're saying about this is cute. You're I, right. I know they're cute. Right. They're adorable, <laughs> and they're not. They don't always. Most of the time, they don't have lava flows out of them. Hmm. Sometimes they do, but it's not very often. More often than not, they don't. They're mostly just popping little chunks of rocks out of the ground in a fit of rage, and then they settle back down again. Okay, so that's the cinder cones, which are adorable. The next yeah. type I want to talk Understand. about are, are composite cones, and they're not adorable. So <laughs> composite cones are the probably the most dangerous of all the volcanoes that you have on okay. earth they are the, the other word for them are strato strato volcanoes that's the one that we most of the time in class we call them strato volcanoes but composite cones the reason we call them composite cones is because of the material that makes them up okay so they're large they're nearly perfect cones and they're composed of layers so they have a layer of lava and then they'll have a layer of pyroclastic material so like chunks of rock and then lava and then rock and then lava and then rock and because of that they can build up much higher than either the shield volcano which is you know just lava and totally flat or our cinder cones which are just loosely compiled together pyroclastic material you know what i mean yeah so so strato referring to the layers of lava and pyroclastic material so lava and rock essentially. yeah absolutely oh it, it is a strato volcano by the way mount fuji is a strato volcano okay that's what that's what i thought usually they're pretty distinct in shape. It's pretty easy to tell what's a stratovolcano. It's shape and size. The thing about volcanoes is because of their their chemical makeups and their material makeups, whether they're made up of, you know, ch chunks of rock or if they're made up of lava or if they're made up of both, mm -hmm. it actually distinctly changes the size. So shield mm -hmm. volcanoes are the largest in width but not in height. Cinder they're cones, gooey. Exactly. And then cinder cones are teeny because they're just made up of loosely chunks, put together rocks. material. Yeah, they're just chunk. And then you have composite <laughs> cones, which are just both. Was there both, and so they're larger and scarier because of it. <laughs> but like, so, so listen, if you've ever been to Japan, you can see Mount Fuji from like a significant portion of Japan because it's gigantic. Like it's huge. And it's dangerous. It looks terrifying. It, it looks terrifying. beautiful. The other, some other famous ones would be in the Cascade regions, uh, in the Cascade region, I should say. So the... Apparently it last erupted in the 1700s though, so I guess we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> that means it's due. <laughs> uh, Mount St. Helens is a really, really famous one that was one of the worst volcano eruptions in the United States. The US, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mount Rainier is an example. Most of the most of the I, the volcanoes in the Philippines and in a lot of the North Island of New Zealand, I think they're all composite volcanoes or stratovolcanoes. Oh yeah, there's Mount Rainier. Oh yeah, when you see a photo of Mount Rainier, which I definitely haven't looked at for a long time, you can tell it's definitely a stratovolcano because yeah. of that pointy shape. They're a very distinct shape. It's easy to tell. And and they're distinct shape and size. So it's like if you saw yeah, a, huge. a cinder cone and you saw a stratovolcano and you saw you'd them like, like next to each other, you would see that it was they were tiny. You'd be like, oh, look at a little cinder cone. Oh, yeah. it's so cute. Look at a cinder cone that can still kill me, but probably yes. not as fast. <laughs> yeah, Mount Etna is one. That's what I thought. Correct. Okay. And I believe also the one that... Mount Vesuvius. Yes, of course, I believe Vesuvius well is one. Okay, so now that we know the three main types of volcanoes, um, let's talk about how they can kill you. So we have... <laughs> wow, you sound so excited. <laughs> so 
so um composite volcanoes are or stratovolcanoes are the scariest to me because they have we mentioned this before but their lava is much denser than a lot of other than the shield volcanoes or the cinder cones lava mm -hmm. and it doesn't have as much flow and because of that it can have much more explosive eruptions and horrifying terrible eruptions when we have these volcanic eruptions there's several primary products that are part of these eruptions and okay. it kind of is dependent on the material of the volcano itself and then what the lava is like and other things like that involved with the volcano okay so the kind of three main products that we get out of eruptions are lava which we're talking about mm. tephra which we will talk about and then pyroclastic flows which we didn't talk about but we did talk about the term pyroclastic so lava as we know is magma that has flown over the earth's surface mm. and there are different textures and two two major types of textures really that depend on how much gas is in, <laughs> included in the lava it's gonna say chunky and yeah melty <laughs> <laughs> kind of so they're actually named it's cool because they're hawaiian words so the two types that oh, we cool. have are pohoihoi and aa are the two major okay. types so pohoihoi means i believe don't at me people from hawaii i believe it means rope um so the consistency of pohoihoi lava is very ropey looking it's like a low viscosity fluid it was very hot when it was extruded on the surface it has a thin skin the interior a lot of times it's still molten. So this is an example of when people see Pahoyhoy and they're like, oh, this looks really cool. It looks like solid lava. And then they step on it and then they go through and it's not fun anymore. So, <laughs> you know, just keep that in mind. It has a lot of flow. It's very interesting to see, but it also has a very, Pahoyhoy has a, a relatively fast flow because of how hot it is. So when people see Pahoyhoy, you better turn tail and run. You better not be taking no selfies in front of it. It will come at you. <laughs> it's, it's horrifying. Um, even though it looks like it would be slow, it's absolutely not. We also have the other type of main type of lava is aa. So aa is a much more viscous lava, and it actually, when it cools down, it becomes more jagged. It looks like fragments of glass, mm. and it had time to kind of cool down and degas before it, you know, formed before it solidified. So that's why it ends up getting those like jagged shapes. And I can confirm, as someone who has visited a relatively recent lava flow that's not flowing anymore but in idaho there's a place called craters of the moon national park oh and it was a, a relatively recent lava flow that was there and i've been able to walk on there's cinder cones there there's different types of lava there there's lava tubes there which are like a place where lava was flowing and then it cooled down and then the, the molten material left so you have these empty circular like pits they're not pits they're horizontal to the ground they're they're tubes oh. that you can walk through and they oh. end up becoming caves oh. once oh. they're dried and cooled oh they're like big yeah so okay. i i was in, i went caving in a couple of those oh cool but i was able to walk on some of the lava so you saw the the ropey lava and the aa lava mm. it should i think it should be called the ow ow lava because it's so <laughs> spiky and it doesn't get worn down with time very easily it's very jagged it's mm. uncomfortable but the boy is easy to walk on okay <laughs> yeah lava tubes are just a, a a location where lava flowed and then the because the outside is exposed to the air, it cools down first, right? And so the mm -hmm. internal component stays flowing for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Eventually it flows itself out or cools down and then it becomes an empty tube. And a lot of times uh, wildlife enjoys hanging out in them. So like bats like to live in those little caves and stuff like that, which are really mm -hmm. cool. One last thing is like, I'm looking at photos of Pohohoi lava. And I think that's like what people think of when they think of lava. Yeah. Like it's kind of goopy looking. It is ropey. It's kind of like got these like long ropey shapes. 
Um, it'll get you. It'll get you. It looks it definitely looks sketchy. <laughs> I wouldn't walk <laughs> on it. I wouldn't walk on anything that's so red hot. That seems like a terrible yeah, idea. I wouldn't walk on see... anything that's actively steaming like that. No, when it's cooling. It just no. is terrible. You can feel the heat from a distance. It just I'm sure you can. People have walked on Fohoihoi that's not completely cool and then melted their boots, like the soles of their boots, onto the I'm just looking at a <laughs> looking at a photo of a person walking down a path like maybe ten feet from a Fohoihoi. Could not pay me. Lava flow. That's why I'm not in a Hawaii. And it's like, could not pay me. I mean, this person just looks like a poor person who was trying to get to their house and their house is behind lava <laughs> like that. Yeah, but yeah. still, I don't think I would. Be. Yeah, I wouldn't be that close. Anyway. The next thing we're going to talk about is tephra. So it's anything that goes okay. through the air. And it's defined basically on the size of the material. So we okay. have ash, which is the, the smallest grain. It's less than two millimeters. Idiest, bittiest. Yes. The weeest. Okay. It's uh, the <laughs> finest material. Okay. The next material size that we have is volcanic tuff. So you had we had talked about cindered cones. There's also tuff cones, which are a different thing, but they're made mostly of tuff, which is why they're called tuffed cones. Okay. So tuff is T U F F. Yeah, T U F F. It's tuff. Okay. Um, the size is about two to sixty four millimeters. That's how they define so tuff. Two millimeters is like nothing. Sixty four <laughs> yes. millimeters is like oh, so it's an inch. Sixty four millimeters is an inch. It's an inch. Or two. Sorry. It's okay. 2. So it's five two, inches. Two millimeters two point, to an inch. <laughs> Two two millimeters. Our no, not, not sorry, not an inch. Well, it's just for everybody else to envision too. It's two millimeters to two point five inches. Okay. So sixty four millimeters is two point five inches. Sorry. So like the length of your finger. Yeah, like a thumb size. Yeah. That's still a pretty good size. That's like a very small plum size. Yes. Piece of ejecta. But, but let me tell you, the next piece of ejecta is called volcanic bombs, oh. and it's anything bigger than sixty four millimeters, aka oh, anything, anything bigger than two point five inches. Which is insane because okay. there's so many things that are so much bigger than that that it's like any like so any, it's just like it's just crazy. It's like there's ash and then there's tough and then anything else is what Do you think that that's because anything else is like rare or is it just like Oh, it's it... not rare at all. I'm sure it's just based on what you see or coming not... at your face at one time. Yeah. I'm sure you're like this looks I'm I'm bet I bet it was based on danger size. So something that's 2.5 inches or yeah, is much Might less dangerous than anything you. bigger than that. And then bigger than 2.5 inches will probably so kill you. There are some volcanic bombs that are like the size of cars. Yeah, exciting. Um, and even bigger than that. There are some, and there are different types of materials too. It's just, it's just you know, minerals or hardened rock that gets shoved out of the volcano in a fit of rage. <laughs> and in even in places that have things like uh, shield volcanoes, like in Hawaii, mm -hmm. you still have incidences where you have eruptions that have volcanic material being shot out of the out of the volcano itself to the point that there was the last major eruption that they have in Hawaii. There were tours going on where people were taking people close to through the ocean side, were taking people up to the volcano mm -mm. and there were volcanic bombs being shot out of the volcano erupting and like hitting the boats. Like the, I think they downed one of the boats. I can't remember. It. I really? Have to look it up. Oh no. But yeah, it was, it was like, that's not good. It was literally fireballs shooting at people from a volcano who wanted to tour the volcano even though, you know, the National Park Service had cut off any access to it. Of course, people... Well, private tourists it. can do whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag America. So, yeah, it was just... It It just... It, don't do that. It's a terrible idea. Don't do that. I don't feel like being near an active volcano is typically not a good idea. 
yeah. unless you're a volcanologist and that's what you want to do with your life <laughs> yeah i just I don't, I don't know i'll have to look it up but you can see there's actually videos of people who are recording the volcano they were just recording the cute like flow into the ocean like oh it's so interesting oh there's steam rising oh we can watch obsidian being formed and pillow basalt and blah 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 and then eruption and then fireballs <laughs> heading straight oh, no. to the boat it's terrifying so anyway, uh, don't do that. Okay, so the next type of material <laughs> I want to talk about. So those are all your different tephra. Chunks. Yeah, they're okay. all the different flying chunks that are heading for your face. And then the next thing I want to talk about are pyroclastic flows. So pyroclastic, um, burning or molten material, plus gas, they form a fluid-like flow, like a sim similar to a fluid flow. Mm -hmm. And It's a fluid material, like it moves. Yes. Like a, not unlike a liquid. I yes. mean, it is liquid metal like liquid heavy metals and cross material basically yes right and the thing is the flow is so heavy that it tends to hug the ground and head for topographic lows and it's okay it flows incredibly quickly pyroclastic flows are probably the most dangerous part and you'd think that the car shaped rocks flying at your face <laughs> would be the most dangerous part no it's the pyroclastic flows are the most dangerous part because they are fast can cover a lot they of space are fast and they cover space rapidly and a lot of times pyroclastic flows can actually be essentially a cloud so that there's a um a nuez ardentes which is just a cloud of burning it is just <laughs> a hell spawn cloud nobody that... can see like my eyes are moving back and forth so fast <laughs> right now while she's talking it's horrifying you can look up a picture of them if you want but it's it's literally just a burning cloud of gas that's what extruded. did you say it's called nuez n-u-e and then a apostrophe and then e-s and then yes. ardentes a-r-d-e-n-t-e-s -E oh these are some of the biggest killers that are associated with stratovolcanoes oh yeah they're a cloud of hot horribleness yeah it's basically terrifying looking clouds of stuff it's it's hot ash that's, but Basically. it's up in the air because it's being ejected from the volcano. Yes. But the thing is, it's heavy hot ash. So it like, once it's in the air, it drops down into this dense cloud of hot horrible horribleness and then flows along the ground as if it is a liquid. Really? Yes, really. As a cloud, but as yes, a cloud but of it's hot a cloud. gas. Yes, it's a cloud that acts like a liquid. Yes. Weird. It is. It's really interesting. It's superheated gases that end up acting like a dense liquid and they're fast. An example of this would be Mount St. Helens. So Mount St. Helens Same. had, it when it had its eruption, it had a giant 600 degree cloud that spewed out of it of ash. And if you breathe that cloud, your first breath vaporizes your organs. Your lungs just vaporize. I'm watching a video of this happening in Japan in 1991. Yeah, dude, you better run. It's just like coming down a mountain. It does look like a liquid cloud. It's yeah. really crazy looking. I've it's never like seen like a gray, like liquidy cloud. Yeah, pretty much. Of hot ash. It moves like a liquid. It does. Like it a moves like a liquid, but it's not. And it kind of like holds together yeah. too. Like it's not like it just spreads like a cloud. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. You should look it up. I encourage you <laughs> to Google horrifying videos of uh Educate of yourself clouds. so you don't liquefy your organs with your first breath. Just, yeah, if you get warnings, volcano warnings, don't, yeah, Don't leave. stick around. Anyway. Yeah, no, okay. they, the eruption of Pompeii, at Pompeii, that was an example where the people were covered in a, a wall of ash. Yeah. And they also, their insides liquefied inside of the ash, which we, mm -hmm. we have um, a lot of people That's why you have those, with. like, 
the cast the shapes of the people it's the ash that was like outside yeah it's the hot ash it just burned them up yeah pretty pretty much instantaneously that's horrifying the crazy thing about this is also is that those those terrible horrifying clouds when they interact with water it's even worse worse so pyroclastic flows if they are coming from a volcano that has a glacier on top of them it creates something that we call a lahar which is a it's water mixed with this ash and it creates mud a rapidly moving wall of volcanic debris and water and it's so fast they can do hundreds of kilometers in a second it's so fast it's insane and they're incredibly dangerous and a lot of eruptions that occur in south america have lahars associated with them they're horrible it's not okay they also can trigger landslides it's just not good there's there's terrifying so you should look up a pyroclastic or excuse me a lahar l-a-h-a-r oh i'm watching it i'm way ahead of you it's one of the most dangerous types of flows that you get there's... out of an eruption Old, like cctv footage from japan oh so it's just like a wall of hot <laughs> oh hot it's really mud. bad guys <laughs> yes it's boiling mud moving at you faster than a raging river it does look like that it's like like a when you see water in like a hurricane fast and you cannot outrun it there's no way you would not be able to outrun it it's not possible all these videos are from like static basically like monitoring or like traffic cameras like they're not from people like those other the pyroclastic the cloud videos and they travel they travel far too it's not just that they travel fast they also travel for an incredible distance too i'm frowning <laughs> she is you frowning. can't see it i was mistaken like i think i said earlier frowning. that they they travel at 100 kilometers a second what i meant to say was they travel about they can travel hundreds of kilometers away from their origin point so they wow. travel for incredible distance. Not that they're a hundred kilometers a second. Yeah, they can, but they can go far and they move very quickly. Yes. And another type of fun flow that you can get from these <laughs> volcanoes eruption, er, eruption, eruptions, these volcanic eruptions, is something called a yokelop. <laughs> yes. So a yokelop, which is spelled J O K U L H L A U P. Oh, that clarifies things because when you said this before, I was like, "You're not. You're just making things up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yokelop is an Icelandic word, but what, okay. it, what happens is you get a cataclysmic fail of you get a, a giant flood of water because when you have an eruption that's underneath a glacier the glacier mm -hmm. melts rapidly melts. and then you just get a flood of water like a biblical flood of water that comes out of the volcano so it's not even just that it has you can it's not even just that you can have a cloud a crazy hell cloud coming after you or you can have mud coming after you. You can also just have straight up water coming to kill you. So an example How do you of this, spell that? Uh, Yokolup, J-O-K-U-L-H-L-A-U-P. H-L-A-U-P. L-A-U-P. An example of this would be in Colombia. The volcano Ruiz had a minor eruption. It wasn't a very big eruption. But it killed 25,000 people. Wow. Because of just mud pyroclastic flows. They just mm -hmm. incinerated anything that was in front of them. Wow. I'm looking at it on YouTube and it's all so awful. There's two eruptions specifically that I want to talk about, but I think I'll save them for a separate episode. Ooh. Maybe I can tease you all. Volcanoes part two. Yeah, yes. we can do volcano part two electric boogaloo. <laughs> the three kind of major eruptions that I would like to talk about are Mount St. Helens, okay. Vesuvius, aka yes. the Pompeii disaster, and Krakatoa, one of Krakatoa's okay. major eruptions. And then I might... Another type of eruption that has a different type of flow, just so we can we can discuss cool. 
what it looks like, but I haven't decided which particular volcano I want to talk about. But yeah, I'll think I'll think about it. Cool. But yeah, I, I just because we've we've probably gone at least an hour now, and I think that it would be a little, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer, we're already kind of ending on an exploding, <laughs> destroying yourself with giant balls of fire and or flows of mud. Feel a little sad now for sure. <laughs> I mean, the videos are interesting when you're not there, you know. Yes. But yeah, I maybe we'll post some videos or some pictures to our social media account so you can see you can do that. the destruction for yourself so yeah sorry to be such a to end on such a <laughs> i was really excited um i mean the thing is that's the most interesting <laughs> thing about volcanoes is their crazy eruptions but they're also that's true incredibly devastating when you think of it from a, a human perspective the earth doesn't really care though the earth will just bounce back eventually so you know that's true you're not wrong it's really cool seeing i'll, I'll save it for the next time we talk about some specific volcanoes but and their specific disasters but it's really cool seeing how the earth starts to fix itself after having an eruption like this and how it adjusts mm. to for example mount st helens when it had its eruption it destroyed a whole swath of trees down one side of it because it collapsed in on itself um and now and this was like you know 1980 but now right. those trees have grown back and are alive or there's new trees in the area where the dead trees were there's life I mean, like, back there now, so you know. Volcanoes years later. make volcanoes make things good, like Roma tomatoes, the best tomatoes, like you know, theoretically in the world. I mean, I don't know. You could argue that, but they come from volcanic soil. Like they have to be grown in volcanic soil in Italy. Like that's what makes them good. Like volcanic soil has a lot of nutrients and stuff. It's very acidic. It's it's really actually volcanic soil is incredible. A lot of it. That's why Hawaii has such great diversity of so food. green and yes yeah and it's delicious food is uh they have really good volcanic soil but yeah like i i guess like the message overall yeah you're right the earth doesn't care this is just a thing that happens and people just happen to be in the earth's way basically yeah and unfortunately you know? a lot of people <laughs> choose to live near those fertile grounds because they know that they can grow but unfortunately they'll they'll be farming and look up and see the shadow of the volcano that's looming over them but also they need food yeah and places to live and yeah Volcanoes are making new land, so like it's a thing. Hawaii wouldn't exist without volcanoes, without hotspots. Absolutely not. So, yeah, absolutely not. So anyway, it's listen. Just be careful. Yeah, just uh, you know, if you're touring Hawaii on a boat, um, make sure there's not an active <laughs> eruption occurring at the time that you go. I think there's like there's a beautiful message about you know there's there's destruction, but new things can come from that too. Yeah, so. there's destruction, but the soil is incredibly fertile afterwards, and it's, you know. <laughs> And again, Earth don't care. Earth is fine. And like new crust. Yeah, there's know. new crust. There's out of destruction and fire. There's rebirth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> Taking this to wasn't uh... that Moana's plot? I don't know. <laughs> they gave back the heart of Tafiti, and then everything was fine. <laughs> there was more mystical element. I thought. <laughs> Spoilers for Moana, I guess. <laughs> this is more of a coming of age thing. Anyway, listen. <laughs> Our social if you media wanna, accounts. If you want to listen to more of Moana talk, Ellen, what are our social media accounts? Our, well, we won't be talking about Moana, but we'll, we'll post photos of our our stuff. So our social media for this podcast, for um, for Said My Dear Dear, are Said My Dear, actually both. For Instagram and Twitter, it's at Said My Dear Pod. So S-E-D-M-Y-D-E-A-R-P-O-D. Those are the best ways to kind of keep up with what we're doing on the regular. And um, you can also visit our website, sedimentarymydear.com. That's it. And uh, I know that I talked about how we're going to talk about some specific volcanic disasters at some point. But next episode, instead of specific volcanic disasters, we're going to talk about something 
a little spooky. Ooh. A little creepy. Ooh. A little Halloween-y. Because it's Halloween, y'all. It'll be Halloween season. Yes. Well, I mean, it's already it's already pumpkin spice season, but it'll be uh, <laughs> living that PSL specifically life. Specifically, jack-o'-lantern season. Yes. As opposed to just pumpkin season. Yes. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to devise something maybe a little spooky to talk about for our next episode. Some minerals that may give you some shivers down your spines. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> but I'm excited every episode, so I'm biased, I guess. <laughs> And remember, if you have any questions, please feel out to feel free to reach out to us. Um, or yes. if you have any, you know, comments, or if you have anything that you want to post, if you have, you know, your favorite volcano you visited, um, if you have <laughs> your favorite type of volcanic bomb that came for your head at some point, oh no, you know, feel free to post them onto our social media accounts. Yeah, send us a tweet or a email. If you want our email said sedimentary podcast at gmail.com. I didn't include that before, but yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You you know, reach out anyway. Carrier pigeon could probably find us. Yeah. Yep. Smoke signal. I'll accept a carrier pigeon. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next time for something a little spooky. Ooh. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. The main source for this episode is Earth, an Introduction to Physical Geology, 9th Edition, by Tarbuck and Lutkins. Music for its sedimentary, my dear, is provided by Solar Slays. You can find his music at youtube.com slash user slash C-C-F-U-L, S-E-A-S-E-A-F-U-L. -E